everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, presented as always by Sibling Revelry Brewing. And I've got some events uh, coming up for them that we're going to get to a little bit later. But thanks, as always, to them uh, for sponsoring us. Mary Kay, one of them kind of goes along with the get mommy a beer hashtag <laughs> so we'll uh we'll get to that yes absolutely uh, but let's talk some browns uh baker mayfield is is coming off a game against um who did they play against the chargers the chargers uh, yeah see it's easy to forget this stuff in the grind of the week <laughs> against the chargers he did not play well the whole team did not play well and really todd haley talked about it today uh hugh jackson has talked about it this is going to be a good test for baker mayfield how is he going to bounce back this week because you know this team hasn't done a ton at wide receiver to get better necessarily they've added some guys but it's going to be about baker and and dealing with this adversity well if ever there was a week to try to bounce back from such a bad game to go against the worst pass defense in the nfl is probably a good week for baker mayfield to try to rebound i mean these guys are bad against Mm -hmm. the pass they're giving up a ton of points including they've given up 125 points in the first half of games alone this season. They've only played five games. <laughs> so they're giving, they gave up like 86 points or something like that in the second quarter alone. So they're, they're getting off to horrible starts defensively, and they're just really bad in the secondary. Uh, so I actually think it, it's probably a pretty good week for Baker to try to get himself back on track, and he really needs to do that. I mean, that was a bad game. But I'm telling you, Dan, when I look out there, A quarterback, in my mind, is only as good as the guys around him. When you look at how Tom Brady played at the beginning of the season, people were questioning Tom Brady. (laughs) And that's when Julian Edelman was on suspension, Rob Gronkowski was injured, Josh Gordon wasn't there yet. And all of a sudden, people were wondering, is Tom Brady still the amazing, greatest of all time quarterback that he's always been? Well, guess what? Now... They're off to the races again because he's got an amazing supporting cast. Well, Baker doesn't have that. He does not have that right now. And, you know, unfortunately for him, Antonio Callaway's going to have to step up and grow up in a hurry. Damian Ratley's going to have to grow up in a hurry. Brashad Perryman is going to have to turn into something that he's never been before in order for Baker to be successful. Yeah, you know, especially a rookie quarterback. You know, we see quarterbacks. You know, Tom Brady's one of them who has made his receiving core around him better over time. Um, but rookie quarterbacks, especially, they've got to have some guys that they can lean on. Um, and really, right now, outside of Jarvis Landry, Baker doesn't have that. But Landry also hasn't really done a ton either over the, these last few games. Yeah, that is a huge issue right now. It really is. Because when that is your guy, when that's supposed to be you know, the guy that you paid $75 million to, and he, you basically are paying him like he's your number one receiver, although he really isn't technically supposed to be like a number one classic X receiver, uh, you need that guy to step up and make big plays for you and to be a leader. And I wrote a column about this this week, that he has to be your leader in every way, shape, or form, on the field, off the field, on the sidelines. You name it, he's got to be the guy. Uh, and, and he wasn't that in this past game. Now, some of those two of nine targets that, that he caught, some of those targets were throwaways. Some of them were off the money. One was way over his head. Uh, so there were not a ton of quality targets, but yet he's got to keep his head in the game. He's got to help Antonio Callaway. He's got to help Ratley. Uh, he's, he's got to help Todd Haley and Baker. And when the ball does come his way, he can't drop anything. I mean, right now, 
he just can't drop anything. And, um, you know, he, he really does. And he talked about it today. He admitted it. He's got to step it up. Those two guys have connected on only 11 of 29 targets over the last three games. That's not enough. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about Lander, he's not a classic down-the-field burner. You know, you're not going to get a ton for him down the field, but he's got to be able to make something happen when he gets the football in his hands. You mentioned it. He's had some drop issues uh, these these last couple weeks. There's just not a lot of chemistry right now between Jarvis and Baker, and that goes back a little bit to the fact that, you know, Baker didn't really get opportunities to work with the first team, and, and I know a lot of people were very critical of that when, when that was a story. I You know, I'll be honest, I didn't make a big deal out of it, in hindsight, I was probably wrong. He probably needed some reps with these guys, needed some reps with Jarvis Landry. Um, and, and I think the Browns are kind of dealing with the fallout from that a little bit. And the idea that you don't have a down-the-field threat right now. You know, Josh Gordon is gone. Corey Coleman never worked out. Rashard Higgins, even when Rashard Higgins is healthy, he's not really a down-the-field burner. You, you hope that's Antonio Callaway, but he's still got to prove it. Um, there, there's just some issues at wide receiver that, that aren't helping. Yeah, I mean, the minute that Josh Gordon was traded and walked out the door, uh, the strength of your receiving core went way, way, way down. And what you needed to happen at that time was for Antonio Callaway to really try to step up and sort of replace him, but he's just not ready for that yet. I mean, he has demonstrated week after week right now that he is just not ready to take on that large of a role, and they did have to dial him back a little bit. I mean, you'd have to say that Damian Ratley went in there in this past game and had a better game than we've seen, you know, consistently across the board than we have seen from Antonio Callaway. So even though he was supposed to be the starting X once Josh Gordon left, he just wasn't ready for that. And, you know, he's young, he's raw, he's inconsistent. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have potential, but he's a work in progress. And he's not there yet. And it's, you know, all of these things are hurting the team. I think one of the things, and I, and I wrote this at some point, is that one place where the Browns really erred in the offseason was counting on Josh Gordon to be their starting X this year. We have seen, you know, I've been covering Josh Gordon since 2012. So <laughs> I would never have put all my eggs in that basket. You know, and I know they had Jarvis yeah. at the time, too, and they had Corey Coleman. But you, you just weren't going to be able to count on Josh Gordon. You know, and he was going to have to be a bonus for you. So they really needed to go out and find themselves a really, really good X receiver that they could count on, and they didn't. And I think that was one of the biggest problems of this offseason. Yeah, we did, we, you know, we've seen it from regime after regime after regime. You know, they, they bring him in in 2012, you know, they, they – he has that great season in 2013. Uh, so then all of a sudden, you've got a new coaching staff coming in, and they count on Josh Gordon, and it doesn't work out. They get burned. But then you change everything again, and, and they kind of wait out Josh Gordon. I, I think that's a lot of you know two things. One, the result of some instability. Uh, not some instability, a lot of instability. And also, look, the ownership here stayed committed to Josh Gordon and his recovery, and, and you know that part of it is a credit to them. But um, you know John Dorsey, it didn't take him long. To move on from Gordon and, and in hindsight he probably should have moved on when Josh didn't show up for training camp but once they got that that second kind of incident with Josh it was that's it they're done they're moving on yeah and I mean it's hard not to be enamored when you see him yeah I mean if you're if you're a coach if you're Todd Haley or Hugh Jackson or anybody trying to coach a football team Adam Henry I mean when you see Josh Gordon step 
foot on the football field, it's like, wow. I mean, not only does he have the size and the speed, he's got tremendous hands. I mean, really good hands. You know, he catches it with his hands, and he is just a really good, would have been a Hall of Fame caliber receiver had he had not had all of these suspensions. That is how good he is. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they, they did. They just relied too much on him, and they're suffering for it now because at this point in the season, there are no Josh Gordons or guys of that caliber really sitting around waiting for a phone call. So, I mean, back to the original question then, uh, can Baker bounce back? Not, not because of Baker necessarily, but does he have the weapons to bounce back on Sunday? Because this is going to be, or it should be, if the Browns want to win, it's going to need to be a shootout. Um, and, and so can Baker, on his own, elevate this offense and elevate this team? Well, the only reason why, like I said, I think he has a chance to, to have a halfway decent game in Tampa is because they have such a bad, bad defense. If they had an even like middle-of-the-road defense and they were going against this high-flying Bucks offense that has been scoring a ton of points, they're number eight in points, um, they're the number one passing offense in the NFL. They've got Mike Evans. They've got Deshaun Jackson. They've got Chris Godwin. Um, you know, then I would say there's no, there's no way. But because they have such a horrible pass offense, if you can get some of these guys into the game kind of quickly, if you can get Jarvis going and, and he has a, a decent game uh, early on, and if, if Damian Ratley can come through and make some plays for you, if Antonio Callaway can make one of the one or two of those vintage deep ball catches on a go route, you know, then maybe, you know, which he should be able to do in this game, you know, then maybe they can they can steal this one against the two and three bucks on the road. But it is. It's going to have to be a game where you score some points unless of course the defense swipes the ball a couple of times from from Jameis and that can happen yeah and and that's that's the one thing they can really rely on because Jameis Winston has played six quarters this season and he's thrown four interceptions yep he's going to give you opportunities you know can this defense take advantage of mine I know Craig Williams is going to have them uh fired up uh to try and come away with some of those turnovers uh we're going to get to some Twitter questions here shortly but first I want to tell everyone about some events coming up at our sponsor sibling revelry brewing uh this first one is Saturday October 20th from two to six it's Angels on the Avenue, uh, and Sibling Revelry Brewing are presenting Rocktoberfest. Uh, they'll have a live act, Sloppy Joe, will be performing from 2 to 6 p.m., so, uh, so you'll have that going on. Uh, special limited 22-ounce bombers of Sibling Revelry Maple Syrup Fall Ale will be for sale, and you can win money. $1,000 first prize if you enter into a $10 cash raffle, uh, $250 second prize. Uh, it's a special fundraising effort that benefits St. Augustine Health Ministries, a mission-driven, faith-based, not-for-profit organization founded by Catholic Charities, Diocese of Cleveland. So uh, 2 to 6 on Saturday. Now here's what I was talking about earlier uh, for parents, right? You don't have a lot of kid events at breweries, right? But this one, Kids Gloga class, uh, October 21st, 1230 to 2, and also 4 to 530. It's kids yoga, uh, ages 5 to 13. They can show up, they do crafts, they get to learn some yoga poses and things like that. And parents, you can enjoy a beer. You know what, Dan? This sounds like it has your name written all over it Maybe. with your kids. I think you need to bring Charlotte to Gloga. <laughs> I think she would love it. 
I, I probably uh, pumpkin carving as well. October twenty fifth, four to ten o'clock in the uh, Sibling Revelry Brewing Tap Room. That's in Westlake. Uh, bring your own pumpkin. Uh, they'll provide the tools, and of course, they'll have beer there. And there's a couple samplings uh, at Heinen's and Shaker Heights and Heinen's and Chagrin Falls. October twenty sixth. Uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. so you can check those out there again thanks to sibling revelry brewing uh, for sponsoring us here on orange and brown talk Uh, let's get to some twitter questions Uh, we'll start with this wide receiver position and bearded browns fan asks how aggressive will john dorsey be trying to get baker help at wide receiver so so far you know they haven't been real aggressive in the sense of making a trade or anything like that but we're still a couple weeks out from the deadline um Went out and got Rashad Perryman. Mm-hmm. Worked out Rashad Matthews. Uh, promoted Damari Scott from the practice squad. So no big moves. They're trying to find something mostly internally to try and fix this. Yeah, you know, I, I do think it's difficult to bring a guy in at this point in the season. Expect him to learn your offense. Even with a guy like Des Bryant. Uh, a guy would have to come in here and really memorize the terminology uh, to be able to go out there and be really effective, and that's hard to do. I mean, Perriman's in the uh, situation of trying to learn how to do that right now, but I still think they should do it. I still think that he should be very aggressive in trying to find a receiver or two uh, on the, you know, that could be on the trading block or that somehow that they could acquire him before the trading deadline on October 30th. Will it actually happen? Who knows? Because, again, it hasn't happened by now, but I really do think that you know they should be at least looking at the Amari Coopers and those kind of guys. And you know that uh, I, I even suggested that they should try to t- trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Not so much for this year, but for the years going forward, because I think this team will be ready to contend next year and the year after. But I don't think the Giants are willing to part with him. But the more you hear the owner talking about him and, you know, all those different kinds of things, you have to wonder, are they coming to the end of their rope uh, with Odell Beckham Jr.? Now, there's a lot of cap concerns with him. He would have a lot. They would have a ton of dead money next year if they trade him this year. Uh, You know, it's just a matter of do they, you know, with the compensation that they get in terms of the draft pick or picks outweigh the dead money that they, they would have to have on their cap next year and how they could work that all out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Browns, of course, already have a ton of money invested at that position in Jarvis Landry, too. Uh, now they have a ton of cap space, so that, so they can certainly af- afford something like that. Uh, Amari Cooper is kind of interesting for the right price. This is a guy that has a lot of drops. I, I don't know that he's going to come in and, and live up to that first-round potential, but if Oakland's willing to sell for pennies on the dollar, I think you take a shot at Amari Cooper. I wouldn't give up I wouldn't give up anything higher than like a fourth-rounder for him, so I don't know that you'd, that you'd be able to get him at that price. Uh, but if, if you could get him for a pick like that, maybe you'd take a chance on him. Yeah, you know, I think those are the things that you have to look into. And if you know that you're going to have a guy for a number of years, and we're talking about guys that are still pretty young. I mean, yeah. Odell Odell might be turning 26, but, I mean, he's somewhere around there. He's 25, probably almost 26 years old. But you know you're going to have him for another five years, so I think it would be worth it. And like you said, Amari Cooper, look into it. There's other guys um, in other places, like maybe a, a Devontae Parker in Miami, Uh, I haven't really researched it thoroughly, but you have to find a guy that has sort of worn out his welcome in a place or for whatever reason a team is willing to unload this receiver. They need a change of scenery. Those are the kind of guys the Browns are going to have to look for. And the other thing to keep in mind is John Dorsey does have a history of being able to find wide receivers in in kind of strange spots. Antonio Callaway is similar uh, to how he found Tyreek Hill, a guy that has 
you know, high round talent, but dropped for reasons uh, down in the draft, and he was able to get him uh, a little bit cheaper. Albert Wilson is a guy who's playing really well in Miami. I believe he was an undrafted free agent that, that Dorsey signed. So this is a guy that kind of knows what he likes in a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he'll figure out ways to, to get those guys in different ways if, if it's not a high draft pick. Um, so this could just be something that gets solved in the offseason. You, you'd like them to do something now because you want this team to try and win now and you want Baker Mayfield to have weapons, but maybe it's something that doesn't get solved until March or April. And, and you know, that very well may be, but that's going to make for a long yep. season for Baker Mayfield. And that's unfortunate because you can't take your number one pick and throw him out there without a good enough supporting cast. It's just not the way to break in a rookie quarterback because they can start to lose their confidence. And when you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reason why they have 16 touchdown passes right now, which is second in the NFL, only to the Steelers' 18, is because they have guys like Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, and Chris Godwin. Okay, Each of those guys have like either three or four touchdown catches for a total of 13 right now. And that's huge. Do you know how many touchdown passes the Browns have this year, Dan? <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Think about it, Dan. Not that many. Give me an answer. Oh, my gosh. Um, let me think. Nine? Six. Oh, see, I almost went that low, but I felt like it was really low. <laughs> They've got six. It was two for Tyrod Taylor and four for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's four are tied for 31st in the NFL. He's thrown four touchdown passes in four appearances, okay? That's not enough. And is it because he doesn't have a good arm? No. He's got a really good arm. He has exceptional arm talent. It's because he doesn't have enough weapons. And it's just an unfortunate way to throw your number one pick out there. So if there's anything they can do, they need to do Okay, well, then let's get to this. these questions that came in from uh, M. Frederick on Twitter and then C. Sparrow on Twitter. And both of them brought up Duke Johnson. Uh, you know, I I always try to avoid the, you know, kind of blanket statement of, well, you got to get this guy on the field and get him the ball. But I've got to say with Duke Johnson, I, I just, I can't understand why he's not getting on the field more and why he's not getting the ball more because we've seen it now for going back to last year. When the football is in his hands, really good things happen. And I, and I tweeted this earlier this week in the game against Baltimore. He had two big plays in overtime that helped set up after the Willies catch that helped set up that winning field goal. Mm-hmm. Three, um, actually. Three straight runs. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing he can do. The Browns scoring drive at the end of the Chargers game, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the first half against the Chargers, I mean. It was Duke Johnson. He got them in position to kind of set up that scoring drive. Right. So, you know, to me, good things happen when Duke Johnson has the football, and I think they have to find a way to at least force the ball to him a little bit. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of curious because I agree with you 100%. I've been writing it. I've been saying it. I think we've been talking about it. But they need to use Duke more in that capacity. And every time we ask Hugh Jackson about it, he says the same thing, that they need to use Duke more. But he's not running the offense right now. Todd yeah. Haley's running the offense. And for whatever reason, he hasn't used Duke in that way. But right now, they have no choice. They have no choice. They don't have enough pass catchers to not use Duke in that capacity. He led the Browns with 73 receptions last year for 600-some yards, and they need to get him out there. They need to put him in the slot. They need to split him wide. 
Uh, they need to be able to – Baker needs to use him in the shorter passing game. He needs to get some confidence that way. He talks about wanting to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. Get it to Duke. Let him stiff arm his way down the field for more yards. It will help immensely if they do that. And th- this team needs big plays this week. Yeah. And Duke is a guy that can get them big plays. The other name that, that M. Frederick brought up was, of course, Nick Chubb. Um, you know – that that's a tough one, just because I, I do think they like Carlos Hyde's ability to kind of grind out yards a little bit. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you need big plays, and Nick Chubb has been your big play back so far when you've handed him the ball. It hasn't been super consistent. You know, we don't know if he can handle twenty five carries a game right now or fifteen carries a game, whatever it would be. Uh, but to me, you've got to give Nick Chubb some opportunities, especially this week, uh, because you've got to hit on some big plays. Yeah, it, that's been a little curious, too. I mean, you know that, obviously, when, when Nick comes into the game, they're not going to throw him the ball for the most part. Yeah. So that's in some places they have used Duke instead of him because you don't know whether it's going to be a pass or a run in that, in that regard. Um, but he has shown that when you put the ball in his hands, for the most part, he's going to make some yards. He had a nice 19-yard run in this past game. Uh, there was a holding call on it that, that didn't help and wiped out 10 of those yards. But... Uh, for the most part, his average is really good, and he's going to churn out some yards for you. So that's another place where they can get the ball into the hands of Nick a little bit more. And maybe, you know, Seth Devolve hasn't been healthy um, this yeah. much this season, but, you know, he's somebody that they need to use a little bit more in the passing game. David Njoku taught, caught the touchdown pass uh, last week. Uh, if he can be consistent, you know, you can rely on him a little bit more. They've got to get creative because what's happening again with Jarvis Landry is he's getting double teamed. He's getting coverage rolled to him. Uh, and, it, you know, if a team takes him out of the game, there hasn't consistently been other people stepping up enough. And they need every – it's got to be all hands on deck now in the passing game. Yeah. You know, for Todd Haley, he's coming from Pittsburgh where it was line up Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster right. and Le'Veon Bell and run your offense. So it's, a, it's a little different here um, in Cleveland with, with what they have, and, and they just they need to figure out a way to get the ball in Duke Johnson's hands and, and maybe see if he can spring Nick Chubb and give him six carries and, and see if he can spring a couple of them. I don't know. There's, there's got to be a way to do that to get this offense going. He, he The magic number for him is three. I mean, he carries the ball like <laughs> – Three times a yeah. game. That's been his most. The only the other two games it was two. Yeah. So he's got to like get over the three carry hump and <laughs> just, just get him to get him to like five or six. And and you know what? It means it'll probably mean less of Carlos Hyde. That just sort of is what it is. You, you've got to hit on some big plays at some point. Uh, you mentioned Seth DeValve, so that was brought up in a Twitter question. You know, He's a guy that just hasn't been able to get healthy. Right. I don't know if he's healthy enough to really play a whole lot right now, other than yeah. on special teams and, and coming in every now and again for some snaps. Yeah. Uh, question about the linebackers from uh, our buddy Paul Brown in London, who I guess was in Cleveland this week and uh, enjoying the Muni lot. Uh, made the trip from London to here. Uh, he he brought up the linebackers. He basically asked who the fourth linebacker is at the moment right now. Uh, that would be uh, Jannard Avery, if I'm not mistaken. Right? No, he would be the third linebacker. Yeah, he's the Am third linebacker. Somebody? Yeah. So Jannard Avery is the third linebacker. I'm curious to see how he gets used. Yeah, I think so, he'll be at the the weak side spot. Probably. I think he'll be at Chris Kirksey's weak yeah. side spot this week. And and you know, he's played very well, especially from a, a pass rushing standpoint. So, uh, whoever they they put out there, what they have to do is set the edge. It's what they're not doing 
and they can't get embarrassed like this anymore in the uh, in the running game. I mean, it's it's been a joke. And now the Bucks don't really run the ball all that great or all that much. Uh, they're more a pass-oriented offense, but still, there's no way they can be giving up, you know, 269 yeah. yards rushing like they I, did last week. I don't think it's going to be an issue this this week. I don't think the um, I don't think the Browns are going to be in their base defense a whole lot this week. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of Bobby Calhoun out there at nickel. Um, you know, you, a lot of two linebacker looks. And the other thing is, you got Jabril Peppers who can play close to the line. Uh, Derek Kindred is a guy they love close to the line. So I think that's the route they would go with that, you know, a fourth linebacker if they really needed one. Uh, I, th- I think it would probably be one of those two safeties. Yeah, and, you know, so they can try uh, some different alignments and formations and things like that, especially uh, because I'm sure the Bucks play uh, a lot of three wides. So you're going to see some sub-defenses, and it'll be, again, interesting to see how they use their personnel in that way. And another thing that we have to talk about is EJ Gaines. Yeah. EJ Gaines uh, came into work today and uh, complained of concussion symptoms. And he was put into the concussion protocol. And now TJ Carey is going to have to step up for him. He's going to be, EJ Gaines is out this game. He started the last two games and he played well because he knows Greg Williams' defense inside and out. Played three or four seasons with him, I think maybe three seasons under Greg Williams with the Rams. And so uh, that's a big, huge blow. I thought EJ stepped in there and did a really, really nice job. And you don't want to be down to this point when you're playing against a high-flying, number one pass offense in the NFL. It's just not a good day. It was like the day that Derek Willies broke his collarbone, uh, you know, heading into the game last week. You know, on the Friday before the game in practice. That's what this feels like to me. EJ Gaines going down a couple days before the game with a concussion. It's just not what they need right now. Yeah, and he, you know, we haven't even mentioned O.J. Howard. Uh, yeah. You know, he's, he's, right. said he's their all-world tight end in Tampa. Um, he, he, can, he can make a lot of catches. He can, st- he can stack up some yardage. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that we know how tight ends have caused problems for this football team over yeah. and over and over. No, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator has been, but especially, you know, since Greg has gotten here in his system, you know that Tampa Bay is going to try and exploit that with O.J. Howard. Yeah, and you've got Joe Schobert out this week. Yeah. And so not only do you have E.J. Gaines out, but Joe Schobert uh, is out, and he is the quarterback of this defense. He gets the uh, the signal. He makes the calls. He gets the signals from Greg. And now Chris, Christian Kirksey has that responsibility. And he's played middle linebacker before. He's played inside before. Uh, but this is going to be a, you know, a big difference for him. He's going to have a lot of responsibility in this game to get all those calls right against this high-flying pass offense. And like you said, uh, they're, going to, they're going to work the middle of the field. They're going to use the tight end over the middle. And they're going to try to exploit that with uh, with OJ, and it's it's going to be a big big game for Christian. All right, uh, so that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You and I are off to Tampa, which, by the way, folks, Tampa and their press box, best press box food in the business. Oh yes, it's, at least it's got to be up there. Oh yeah, right? no question. They have about like it. little stations, and it's a beautiful thing. It's fantastic. We're, we're spoiled when we go to Tampa. We like to say on Sunday, it's like having sixteen Thanksgivings, <laughs> right? That's what it's like there. You know, I mean, you just like really have to be careful about yeah. how much you eat during the, the other, football season. The other thing I run into is in these sub in the southern press boxes. Yeah, they have sweet tea. Oh. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for it. 
and so it's a it's a real problem. It's going to be ninety degrees down there. I know. So well, we'll we'll take it again. We're going to we we're going to be spoiled this weekend as uh, as we head down to Tampa for uh, for this Bucks game, and of course we will cover it all for you over at Cleveland.com/Browns, and we'll try to have a post game podcast on Sunday as well. So you look out for that Sunday night. Uh, or Monday morning. So that'll do it for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast brought to you by Sibling Revelry Brewing. For Mary Kay Cabot, I am Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.